Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. So we're starting a new series called Chasing Daylight, where I'm going to read a scripture to you in just a moment. But it was kind of funny because the wild part was that we would have actually started the series last week, but we ended up having a snow day a couple weeks ago, an ice day, a blurred out day, there was zero vision kind of day. And so it actually, funnily enough, our God is so good, he's so big, he cares about these little details, he does this in our lives to let you know he's still with you and he still cares and he's still here. But it turns out we end up starting a series called Chasing Daylight, we end up starting this on Daylight Savings. And so I want to read a piece of scripture to you tonight that's going to kind of frame and bookend and shape up this series for us, and it comes out of the book of John 9 through 4, or 9, 4 through 5. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible if you need it. This is what Jesus had to say. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work, and as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I'm going to read that again because it's so short, but it's so good. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I love this piece of scripture to frame up this because as we know, Jesus would go on to tell the disciples, the Jesus followers of the day, the people that came alongside him, he would tell them, you guys, 12 of you rascals, uneducated boys, fishermen, people who like to go around and get heated in an argument, say things they shouldn't, cut guys' ears off. You guys? You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the beginnings of what we're going to establish, the church. The church is the hope of glory. The church is the hope of glory in the earth. The local church is hope to a dying and scared world. You guys are the light and the salt of the world. So why do we call it chasing daylight? Because Jesus and the Bible and Scripture make it quite clear. That when Jesus rolls upon the scene, he says, I am the light. I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. He goes on to say that there's a day that's going to come where I have to go. But the Holy Spirit is going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to be the light that's on the inside of you. It's what's going to make you the light of the world. It's what's going to make you the salt of the earth, bringing out the God flavors in everything that you do. So that when people encounter you, they can see Jesus. So when people encounter you, they can taste how good God is. 
And we also know if we fast forward to the book of Revelations, we know the Bible says that it's only going to get darker, that it's only going to get more confusing, that it's going to be hard in 2018 and in 2019 and in 2020 and the years to come. It's going to get harder. It's going to get darker. It's going to get dimmer to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. The culture's going to be confusing. The world's not going to be so black and white. That's going to be very, very difficult. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And this is the period at which Jesus is referencing in between when he shows up on the scene and when he shows back up on the scene. He is saying, while it is still daylight, we have a job to do. While there is still air in our lungs, we have a job to do. Before it gets too dark, before the lights go completely out, before Jesus comes back and we have a job and we have an assignment, even if it's dark, even if it's grim, even if it's confusing, even if it's difficult, even if it's the most heartbreaking thing in the universe, even if you watch your family and your friends just make decisions. That are just hard. Jesus is saying to you and to me that we are chasing daylight. As long as there is light in the earth, whether it's by Jesus or through us in the Holy Spirit, we have works to do. But it's kind of funny, though, because Jesus in John 10.10, he says a thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, talking about the devil. But he says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full, life and life more abundant, life to the max. And so the weird dichotomy there is this, is that if there's works to be done, if there's life to be lived, then I guess God's ultimate goal for you and for me, that while we're chasing daylight, if we're going to be living out our calling and living out our mission and being on assignment, if we're going to live this out, then we must be living life and life to the full. Life and life more abundant. Life to the max. So it's in this piece of scripture that I want to read real quick that we're going to frame the rest of this thought around tonight because I believe that in 2019 there are, we live in a world, a globe, I mean literally earth, okay? We live in a sphere, you flat earthers, we live in a sphere. When he says he's got the whole world in his hands, like that little song we learned in kids' church, it's not like this. It's like this, okay? The whole world, not like this. It's not flat, okay? Contrary to silliness. <laughs> Stupid. But I believe that we live in a world and we live in a place in 2019. We live in a globe that is filled with individuals who are not living life to the full. They have not experienced the abundant life that Jesus has come to give them. Whether they know Jesus or not, 
There are Christians and people who have yet to meet him who are not living life and life to the full. If that's what Jesus came, friends, I've got to tell you, as difficult as it may be, in my own life, I don't want, I don't want to settle for God's less. I want to strive for God's best. And in your life, I don't want to stand up here and preach to you a counterfeit gospel where we settle for God's less in our life when he has promised us God's best. We can actually have life and life to the full, life and abundance, life to the max. And so he pointed me to this piece of scripture tonight. If you're taking notes, the title of my message is called Life After Death. Life After Death. I know it's not catchy. I know there's zero hip-hop references to that. But it's the message that God gave me. Mark 8, 34 through 37, coming out of the ESV for myself. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible. He said, calling to the crowd, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, this is Jesus, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to pray before we go any further. And then we're going to dig into what Jesus is saying. Father God, we know that your word is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword, God, that it pierces between flesh and bone, between soul and spirit, God. We know that it judges the attitudes of the heart. So God, I ask that as we preach from this piece of scripture, which to many of us, myself included, there's a moment of, wow, a piece of scripture like that seems a little ill-timed, God, but I believe that you ordered it, I believe that you called for it, and I believe that you have something to speak to your people, God, even now in the midst of the service that we've been having. So like the whole theme of the night, God, we ask that you would just stir up in our spirits right now, God. We surrender. We surrender, God. Right here, right now, Jesus. We surrender, God. It doesn't matter what our lives look like. It doesn't matter what they've been up until this moment. Right now, Jesus, just as we are, any preconceived notion or idea, God, we surrender it now because we know you have something to say to your people. In Jesus, my name, a faithful church said. Because I'm sure for all of us in this room right now, you're probably wondering to yourself, holy crap, that's a pretty for real scripture to go with following the conversation we just got done having. 
And you're right, it is. But I don't believe that negates its power. I don't believe it negates what God has to say to us tonight. I don't believe that when he put this on my heart in the middle of the chaotic week that we've had full of heartbreak, gut-wrenching, and some very deep conversations, that the scripture and what Jesus is saying to his disciples and what he is saying to the mass and the crowds around him is the same thing that he is saying to you and to me tonight. That it's if you want life and life to the full, if you're sick and tired of putting sacrifices on an altar every time you mess up or every time you want to see something more in your life, every time you want to go to that new level, it's me, nothing else. It's your life that you have to lay down. It's my cross that you have to pick up. Because believe it or not, carrying my cross is going to give you life and life to the full. Because my cross doesn't only come with a calling, it comes with provision. My cross doesn't only come with a, an assignment. It comes with healing. It comes with sanctification. He says in another scripture that his burden is light. And so here's Jesus and what he's saying to these guys and these girls that are gathering around him and his own disciples, as you know, the 12 guys who were the closest with him were the most screwed up people around him still. As they chopped ears off, as they got too excited, as they took money for Jesus' life, he was saying to strangers that he knew, and he was saying to friends that he's done life with, if you want life and life to the full, you will lay down your life and you will pick up what I'm about to do at Calvary. Because here's the thing, here's the, here's the real honest part of this, right? When people were back then pre-going to the cross of Jesus, pre-having every promise available to them through what Jesus Christ did on the finished work of the cross, previously to that, they were offering up burnt sacrifices. They were offering up meat. They were offering up things that they would kill, the shedding of blood. They were making sacrifices so they could get to a new level, to a new position, to a new job, to try and win God, to show favor because of how long they could go without eating, how much they could offer up to him. That's how they lived before Jesus rolled up on the scene. So why is it that when we look around the world in 2019, we see the church that is the hope of the world? We treat showing up to church like it's a burnt offering. We, show, we treat putting money in an offering container as it goes by as if it's a burnt offering. We pray like it's the shedding of blood when we need something. Jesus is saying, you have life available to you. You have favor available to you all the time. You just have to take up my cross and follow me. Deny yourself and follow me in my ways, in my light, in my truth. And yet we have Christians that are sons and daughters, but we're living like house guests. We have sons and we have daughters that are living like neighbors asking if we could borrow some sugar. 
We have sons and daughters that are living the Christian journey as if our tire went out on the side of the street and we're broken down. We have zero money in our bank account. And we have to find somebody who's generous to see if they would just have mercy on our souls. Because for some of us, I think we'd see a lot more fruit in our lives if our prayer life wasn't just when we needed something from God. If we didn't just talk to him and pick up our end of the phone when our life was going bad, but when it's good, when we mountain peak up, baby. I ain't picked up that phone in a minute. He and I haven't really talked. I haven't really been in my word. Funny thing about the word. Funny thing about the word is that in the Bible, Jesus himself says, my sheep will know my voice. Funny thing is, back then, they wouldn't know his voice unless they actually talked to him. So for you and for me and for the church of 2019, his sheep will know his voice. Well, how do we know his voice? When we read the word of God? Not that he's going to speak to us in these and thous, depending on your translation. But when we read the word of God and we've made the word of God the light unto our path, we're going to recognize the Holy Spirit's voice when he's talking to us in a challenging season. We're going to recognize the voice of God when he meets us right where we are in the middle of confusion, in the middle of our mess, because he's going to be saying the promises in the Bible. He's going to be speaking truth to power. He's going to be speaking truth to your situation. He's going to continually tell you that he went to the cross for you, that he left the 99 for you, that he came and died and rose again for you, that he has not forgotten you, that you are not the tail, but you are most certainly the head that you are already seated in heavenly places right now. He has already called you. He has already loved you. He is already with you. But that's the other part about not having life and life to the full, right? Where I think if we achieved life and life to the full, I think if that was a reality and existence at which we began to live in and operate in and walk out in our journeys... There wouldn't be this disconnect from him. Well, did he really say? Maybe that was just a promise for somebody else. Why does it always seem like it's going good in their life? Like God is always showing up to their door. He's always coming through. They're always receiving their healing. They're always, isn't it the same word for me? He's saying, you're my sheep, my children, my sons, my daughters. They know my voice. And if you're hearing anything contrary in your head to his voice, then we got to begin to evaluate some things in our lives and look at the practical side of our faith and going, am I prioritizing time in his word? God, there are so many more promises in the Bible than just the 140 character or less ones that we're able to tweet and we're able to copy and paste in our Instagram stories. 
There are so many more promises of God in the scriptures that he is saying to you and to me. In fact, the entire Old Testament, the very freaking purpose of it is so that you and I would know that without Jesus coming, it was impossible to do this life. He is saying, here are great stories of humans who were favored by God, who were doing incredible things, who have achieved greatness, who have done amazing things, brought glory to God and his name. And yet they are all flawed and they were all hurt and they were all broken individuals. And God is saying to you and to me, all of that is because you need Jesus. Matt needs Jesus. There's not a single person who will be born or who has ever been born that doesn't need the love of Jesus, the favor of God, the promises of God. We fool ourselves. We distract ourselves and we convince ourselves that Bentleys and nice watches and the perfect tent of a wife and all of these things are going to satisfy our soul. But what Jesus did and what he said to complete strangers, that he knew. Make no mistake about it. He knew. And the guys that he's been doing life with for three years, he's saying, hey, there is nothing. I love how he words that. He says it so much better than I ever can. For what can a man give in return for his soul? The second you give that up, the second you trade your destiny for complacency, the second you give up the call of God on your life because the fight got too hard, because she was too pretty, because there was too much going on, it was too loud, it was too difficult to be a Christian when the lights were getting dim. What can you give to get that soul back? That when we've sold out to other ideologies, that when we sold out to relationships, that when we sold out to something less than what Jesus Christ paid for on the cross, what can you do to get your soul back, he's saying. Because I'm sure in that moment he looked around, he saw his 12 boys, he knew what social skills and what, and what tech skills they brought to their lives, okay? Like, these guys, they can fish. This guy over here, he used to swindle people out of money. Stephen, I don't even know what you're doing. Thomas. Thomas is a hater, okay? He was a doubter. He was a hater. And all he did was lose faith in God the entire time he was watching him do stuff. Like, oh, Jesus just fed 5,000 people. Yeah, but is he going to be able to do it tomorrow? That was a cool magic trick. Is he going to be able to do it twice? He did. He's watching Jesus and then all he's doing, they call him Doubting Thomas in the Bible for a reason because he was, he was filled with doubt, yet he continued to follow Jesus. It's funny to make fun of Doubting Thomas, but it's actually pretty awesome because if you were a person, like many of us are in 2018, again, we live in a world where we're wondering why we're not experiencing life and life to the full. Life and life to the full is not exempt from moments of doubt. Life and life to the full is when in the moments of doubt and in the moments of confusion, the moments of turmoil on the inside of you, still choosing to follow after Jesus. Yeah. Doubting Thomas, doubting Matt, doubting Adrienne is not a slight against somebody. It's a badge of honor. 
Because you're able to exist and you're able to live and you're able to go on and experience life and life to the full even though everything inside of you is questioning. Everything on the inside of you is wondering. Everything on the inside of you is perplexed. It doesn't know which way is up and which way is down some days. We have moments of doubt. We have moments of depression. We have moments of anxiety. We have moments of worry. Worry that for some of us in this room has absolutely been petrifying. Some of us have been so ridden in this room that we have worried ourselves into a status on the floor, not being able to move, unsure of the future, how we're going to be able to pay for certain things, if we're ever going to be a good father, if we're ever going to be a good mother, if we're going to be able to be a good husband or a good wife, if we're going to be able to do and rise to all the expectations and labels that society has put on us. What if my church finds out that I struggle with sin? What if my church finds out that my Sunday best really is just a Sunday best because my Monday and my Tuesday, Wednesday was all right, but my Thursday, that was the worst. What if they find out? What if they find out? And so for Doubting Thomas, it was never an option to not continue on to follow the Messiah, though his heart would lead him to want to, though his mind had a hard time believing what Jesus was saying, though he did not understand the parables that were being said, why in the world would you flip up a bunch of chairs for a coin? Why would you destroy your entire house? You have a collection. So what if you lose a euro? Britain's not even using it anymore. Got it. Nobody knows about Brexit. Cool. When his mind would lead him astray, and when his heart would cause him to wander, and when his heart would cause him to wander, doubting Thomas was still able to faithfully follow Jesus. It's okay to not understand everything. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have a hard time wrestling with Scripture or wrestling with what God has called you to do in this world. What He has spoken over your life, the destiny in which He puts you on this planet for. It's okay to have moments of doubt. It is not okay for that doubt to cause you to stop, to cause you to quit. To cause you to wish death upon yourself. Moments of doubt do not negate life and life to the full. Moments of doubt are just that. They are moments. And moments past. Moments can be minutes. Moments can be hours. Moments can be days. Moments can be years. But the gifts and call on your life the purpose at which you're here for, what God has placed you for, what he has guaranteed you on the cross, life and life to the full, is irrevocable, irreplaceable, and have never left your side. That promise has never been exempt from you and never will be. That promise has never been lifted over your life. It has remained even when you and I have not. 
So here's Jesus to a mass of people. I have no idea what time it is. 626. Where's your team? You can begin to make your way back up here. Life and life to the full. In this moment, he says this. He says, calling to the crowd around him with disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, I love that because I love the part of scripture right there that he just stops and he stalls and he says, if anyone, I don't care if you're a gang member, I don't care if you've killed somebody, I don't care what your life situation has looked like up until this moment. If anyone across the board, politician, thief, any other label that society would put on you, if anyone would follow after me, they've got to lay down their life deny themselves and pick up my cross. But what we know about Jesus and what we know about the cross of Jesus is this, is that there is absolutely life after death. And I'm not even talking about heaven right now. We know heaven's there. We know it's going to be awesome. And some of us spend too much of our time wishing we were there right now instead of living life and life to the full here and now. But the thing about the cross of Jesus is that there is always life after death. And that life after death, it isn't reserved just for Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of this earth for you and for me who was pierced for our iniquities and bruised for our trespasses. It's not reserved just for him, you see, see. It's the same thing that he offered to Peter. It's the same thing that he offered to Paul. It's the same thing that he's offering to you and to me right now. There is life after death. Because for us, some of us, our whole identity is wrapped up in worry and anxiety. Some of us were incapable of of getting through a day without certain medication to be able to do it. And trust me, everything begins and ends with Jesus. And in between there, there are doctors and there are medicine and there are awesome things to help you out on your journey. We have nothing negative to say about that. But Jesus is saying, for some of us when our identity is wrapped up in these things, it can't be made fully new in who he is because of what we're holding on to. He's saying there's always life after death. Yeah, but I don't know how I can give this up. You see, me and me and anxiety, we've been together since third grade. Me and doubt, we've been together ever since I was really young and that person did that thing to me that I can't even tell my shrink about yet. See, me and fear, we moved home to home. We went trailer park to trailer park. We went low-income housing to low-income housing. We went food stamps to food stamps. Me and worry, worry was passed on to me 
So I work hard and I try hard and I go above and beyond and I try to do everything that I can because me and my baby's got to have enough. Me and my life, we've got to be able to have enough. Me and worry have been riding together on this journey for a long time. It's hard to lay that down. I don't know what my life would look like if I got out of that relationship that I shouldn't be in. I've never felt more appreciated. I've never felt more loved. I've never felt more valued than when I'm with this person who's taken more from my life than they've actually given. But I've been with them for so long. I've been in this relationship for so long. My friends are because of this relationship. We actually... All of our bank accounts are already tied up. Everything in our lives are already so attached. I don't know what my life would look like if I was finally willing to walk away. I don't know how I get through Monday without a drink. I don't know how I get through another counseling session without a bottle of wine at the end of it. I don't know what my life would look like if I was to lay down these friends that I have that every time I'm with them, I'm encouraged to make wrong decisions. I'm encouraged to make mistakes. I know I'm going to regret the next day. I know they don't add to my character. I know they don't spur me on in my race towards Jesus. But they're all I've had. They're all I've known. They've been consistent my entire life. When nobody else would hang out with me in high school, they were there. But here I am at 27 and God is doing something new in my life. He is telling me he has more for my life. And he is saying, I have life and life to the full available to you across the board, no matter who you are or where you've been. But there are some things and there is a life that you have that you've been living, that you have got to deny, that you have got to lay down, and that you have to pick up my cross. Because here's the thing. With the cross of Jesus, there is always Life after a death. In my own life, in my own life, whether it was shedding an identity of being the son, the product of drug-addicted, alcoholic, and physically abusive parents, whether it was coming to know Jesus and accepting that there is a God, the Father, who is better than my dad ever showed me on this earth when he was around, that there was a Father who kept his promises even though mine never kept any, whether it was laying down pornography because I 
couldn't tell you how many computers I crashed downloading things. <laughs> I can't tell you how many images I've pumped into my head. But when God called me to a life of following after Jesus, there was a death after laying down pornography and there was a life that followed it that said, this thing that you've been a part of for two years, it has to have a death so that it can have a resurrection, so that you can have the marriage that I promised you, so that you can have the sex life in your marriage that I promised you, so that you can live a life that I promised you that is life and life to the full because there are things that have to die in order for there to be a resurrection. And there have to be things in our lives that we all surrender, that we all lay down at the feet of Jesus because what he has in his hands is better than what what we've been carrying our entire lives. There is always a life after death. And so here's what we're going to do. Is this helping anybody? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and we're going to sing and We're going to sing a song called I Surrender. I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, we're going to sing a song called I Surrender again. We sang it earlier, and we're going to sing it tonight because of this reason. No matter where we're at in this life, no matter how you see yourself, no matter how others see you, we all have things in this life that we have to lay down and we have to surrender so that we can walk freely, guilt-free, and shame-free into the life and life to the full that Jesus has for us. I'm not going to stand up here and I'm not going to tell you what yours is. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to play preacher guy up here. Come here and tell me every single thing that every single person in here needs to shed tonight so that they can walk in to what God has for them because there's work to be done while it's daylight out. I'm not going to do that. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to get real and we're going to get honest before our God who already knows us anyways, who already knows your thoughts, whoever knows your inner struggles, who already knows the things in your life that you have already been wrestling with him on. He already knows. There's already a persuasion that's being done. There's already a work that's begun on the inside of every single one of us tonight. And I, just because I have the microphone and I have the responsibility, the call of my life to be one of the lead pastors of this church, I am not exempt from that. Because I want to live life and life to the full. I want to walk in the authority that Jesus Christ gave his life for. I want to walk in the assurance that I have all the promises and the word of God available to me and to my life. I want to stare doubt in the faith and say, you've got to die because I've got to bow because I've got a life to live that is not riddled with fear and anxiety or guilt or shame. I have life and life of full available to me and I'm not going to settle for God's less. I want God's best. And I think I speak for every single one of us in this house. Right.
So as we lift up the song, I surrender. Right where you are, right where you stand. If you want to stand, that would be awesome. If you want to sit, that's okay too. Wherever you are. Whatever it is. There's zero judgment. But you're invited right now. You're invited right now to begin a worry. I'm not going to say a worried-free life. I'm going to say a life where worry doesn't have to define your life. I'm going to say a life where guilt doesn't have to define your life. I'm going to say a life where anxiety and trepidation don't have to define you. Right now, I'm going to invite you to come and die so that you can go and live. So with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, there's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging. If you're in here tonight, and Jesus isn't currently the Lord and the Savior of your life, if that's you, if you don't know this Jesus that actually came to offer you more He came to offer you more. I'm not even going to begin to pretend like I know where you're coming from tonight, but God has still offered you more. So wherever you're at, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, would you just lift your hand up just high enough and long enough just so that I can see it, and then you can put it right back down. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there any other hands? Is there anybody else? You can put the hand back down. What I want to do is this. I want to say a prayer over you. And we're going to enter into a moment of worship, of reconciliation, of redemption, of life. So Jesus, I thank you for that one person who lifted their hand, God. I pray and I speak over their life that if none go with me, still they will follow. That no matter what their lives have looked like, God, as they go into their week and as they go into the rest of their life, Jesus, they are walking in the fullness and in the boldness and the completion, God, that you have called them to, that you died and rose again so that they could have, Jesus. I just speak that again over their lives. If none go, still they will follow, Jesus. I speak that over every single person's life right here, God. As we begin this moment of singing, I I surrender, God. We say, if none go with us still, we will follow, God. If it's you, if you've said it, I can have it. If you wrote it, I can do it, God. If you have gone before me, I can keep walking, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we surrender.